Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 344. Welcome in. Uh, it's Tuesday. Uh, I got a story there. A big show today. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about uh, the massive trade in the NFL. We'll talk about Kenny Galladay going through the Giants. Uh, an F1 race happened. I got a lot of stuff to talk about with Formula One. Uh, it's exciting, man. I really had a great time. Maybe my favorite race I've watched ever in Formula One. We'll do Ask Zach at the end. Uh, wearing my dad's shirt. By the way, I'm committed to the music now moving forward. I got a lot of feedback. People love the music. And the final straw for me was someone tagged me uh, with an Instagram post playing the intro music to the show on their guitar from their house. And I was like, okay, if it's that, if people are that committed to the music where people are literally making their own videos, playing the song, I'm like, I got, okay, I get the message. You love the music. I know some days I'm wishy-washy. I'm in, I'm out, I'm back and forth. Fine. You guys win music every episode. And if you don't like it, I, I like it. it. Pumps me up, makes me feel good. So uh, you don't have to listen to the show if you really hate the intro that much or skip ahead 15 seconds. So uh, I got a story today. Number one thought. I've been dealing with ants, like, horrible. I know I look like a dad. I'm becoming more of a dad every single day. Uh, the shirts, the ant problems, the taking care of stuff. Uh, frankly, my fiance really took care of the ants to the most degree. I mean, I, I was trying to work, and she was amazing. Uh, Sunday night, uh, I had the whole show content complete, ready to go. I'm like, ah, awesome. Go to bed, wake up, record the show. going to be perfect. And I left water at my desk overnight, like a big pitcher, one of those Brita water jugs. And uh, there's a really bad ant problem where I live. It's horrible. And I woke up, ants everywhere. And I felt, it's my personal space, right? Like I, I spend most of my life at my desk and I watched ants climb out of my SD card. Like I, I, my personal space was violated. I spent all my time there and I just, oh, dude, it was disgusting. It was gross. I do not wish it on anybody. We've been spraying ant spray everywhere on the windows, the perimeter where we live. It just... Oh, dude, it's it's horrible. I don't like it. Um, yeah, I think it's handled now. They're they're dying and they're dead everywhere, and they're not really. It's I think it's going away, uh, but I I just I cannot express the the horror of watching ants climb out of my SD card reader, like the little slot on my on the laptop. And I'm like, oh no, oh, and it's real. They're in my computer. I I panicked. I had a, it was awful. Do not wish that on anybody. It's ant season. Spray where you need to spray. Spray by your windows. Uh, where I live, the windows are horrible. They're not cocked, which means there's like not the foam insulating the windows very well. It's it's just a mess. I, I really, I'm excited to move out. I'm really, really ready to move out. And the ants are just the thing that like, oh man, I want to leave so badly. It's cold. There's ants everywhere. Let's get on with the show, shall we? Um, you know what? I'm going to move my, my first story back a ways. Let me reorganize my notes here. Um, let's start here as we go this way. There was a really, really big trade in the NFL, a big trade sequence involving three teams, the Miami Dolphins, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Philadelphia Eagles. It's convoluted. Basically, the Dolphins traded with the 49ers. Then they made a trade with the Eagles. So three teams. Here's the result. Here's what happened as a result of that trade. The Dolphins now have the number six overall pick in the upcoming draft. They also got a fifth round pick uh, for 2022. From the 49ers, they got a first-round pick and a third-round pick for next year in 2022. And they also got the 49ers' 2023 first-round pick. So they got a haul of first-round picks so that the 49ers could trade up from 12th overall to number 3 overall. 
So the 49ers, all they got, it's a pretty big get, though. They got the number three overall pick. They're going to turn that into a quarterback. We all, uh, it's pretty clear they moved up to get a quarterback. You don't move up to get, like, an offensive tackle. It makes no sense. And what the Eagles got was the number 12 overall pick as a result of all the trading. Uh, They got the 12 overall pick for this year's draft. They got a fourth-round pick for this year's draft. And the Eagles also got Miami's 2022 first-round pick for next year. So basically, Miami moved from three back to 12, then back up to six. And uh, the 49ers now have the number three overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. They are going after a quarterback. And I love it. Oh, my gosh. Uh, They're probably not going to get Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback. The Jets are likely going to take him. Frankly, I would not be shocked if I'd be surprised because of the hype and because of the brand recognition, yada, yada. But if the Jaguars, it's a risky pick. If I'm the Jaguars, I would take Zach Wilson over Trevor Lawrence, being totally transparent. They will not because it's risky and you take who you're assumed to pick and you work with them and you make it work. But I I, I love Zach Wilson, the moxie, the attitude, uh, the ability he has. I think he's the best quarterback in the draft, frankly. So the Jets are going to likely get Zach Wilson number two overall. If the 49ers can get him, it's a dream come true. It's amazing. It's a miracle. I would be shocked if that happened. So likely... The Jets are going after Justin Fields or Trey Lance. North Dakota State quarterback uh, Trey Lance or Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. They're both very mobile. They're also both very raw. Uh, Both quarterbacks could use some time sitting on the bench to learn uh, and get the swing of the NFL before they become a starting quarterback. I would not want Justin Fields or Trey Lance starting day one in the NFL. Uh, The 49ers are keeping quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. They're not going to trade him away. That's very helpful because it allows whatever rookie quarterback the 49ers do bring in to sit on the bench and learn and take time to prepare. There's really no hurry to get that quarterback they draft number three overall onto the field. They can take their time. That's amazing. Now, um, the debate has become mobile quarterback or not. And that's not really what people are saying, but that's what I'm hearing. It's either Mac Jones, Justin Fields, or Trey Lance. They have to meet with Trey Lance and Justin Fields, make their own decision. Who do they like better? Who do they think has better potential? Who do they want to work with? All that kind of stuff. I can't know that. I'm not in the building. But I believe Kyle Shanahan is going to go after a mobile quarterback rather than Mac Jones, the quarterback from Alabama. Mac Jones, it's possible they go for Mac Jones. Here's why. Uh, Mac Jones is like a younger carbon copy of Matt Ryan. It's kind of, it's. I compare... Mac Jones to Matt Ryan all the time. It's kind of disgusting how similar they look. And disgusting is the wrong word there, but like it's it's shocking. Like, wow, footwork, everything. And, and it's kind of weird. They both were coached by Steve Sarkeesian as well. Um, but Mac Jones looks a lot like Matt Ryan. So because Kyle Shanahan coached Matt Ryan when Matt Ryan won an NFL MVP, hey, maybe they like that prototype. They go for that style. I understand that argument. But the league is trending towards having quarterbacks who are mobile. It started with, really, Michael Vick. Uh, Then it became Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson. The league is now trending towards quarterbacks who can move. Justin Herbert's another example. You want guys who can move around in and outside of the pocket. Kyle Shanahan knows that. In fact, Kyle Shanahan at one point coached RG3 when RG3 uh, won the Rookie of the Year, looked like the future star of the NFL. So Kyle Shanahan has experience both with guys who look like Matt Ryan and coaching guys who are mobile the way RJ3 was for that brief stint with Washington. So I believe that the 49ers are going to target a mobile quarterback. They're going to go after a guy who can move uh, because I I just think that's the way the league is trending. Kyle Shanahan wants, he loves to design creative play calls. 
he's going to go after the guy who can move because he can do more with that type of quarterback. And I'm excited, man. The 49ers have been held back and limited by their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's been hurt. He's also played poorly at times. Uh, And with the right quarterback, not only could the 49ers win a Super Bowl, especially if you have a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, a guy year three with Justin Fields or Trey Lance when they pop and are great, and you're paying them nothing? With the roster, you can build around a quarterback on a rookie contract. The 49ers could win a Super Bowl. I think that I'm convicted, and I believe that. But even if they don't win a Super Bowl, the 49ers, with a great young quarterback who's got a long future, for 10, 15 years, the 49ers are going to be a blast to watch. They're going to be an offensive powerhouse, and that is what I want to see. I really want to watch a high-powered, crazy, fun, well-oiled machine type of offense from the 49ers. They're capable of that. It's there. They're a sleeping giant. They just need the right quarterback. And so I, I love, love, love the aggressive move by San Francisco to move up and go after the quarterback they want, the quarterback of their future. Now, Miami, they traded down. They now have the number six overall pick. Um, I mean, it's possible a quarterback will be available number six overall. But everybody assumes they made this move because they're committing to Tua. Uh, Tua is going into his second year. I tend to agree with that sentiment. Uh, you know, if Miami really was planning to draft a quarterback, they would not move back in the NFL draft. They would have just stayed put at number three overall, drafted the guy they wanted. Uh, nobody trades down if you're targeting a quarterback. You trade down because you're going to say, hey, we'll take your draft capital and then we'll draft the guy we want to build our roster around our young quarterback. So, I personally, I love Tua. I almost wore a Tua shirt. Uh, it just, it didn't fit right. I, I just, I'm good. I didn't like it. Uh, but it's a bit frustrating. I think our society has a problem right now where we just do not have the availability or the openness or the the vision to allow people to grow and change. Basically, in our society right now, one strike and you're out for good. And I, I just don't, uh, there are some things you can't come back from, but there's a lot of stuff I'm like, ah, You made a mistake, and you learn from it, and you grow. And I also know that in football, we're so quick to just say, ah, you're done. You had one bad year. Screw you. You're out forever. It's like, well, um, yeah, Tua was underwhelming in year one. And I I totally agree compared to Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. It was rough, man, watching Tua. One of my favorite quarterbacks, I, I would actually go as far as to say that Tua is my favorite player in the NFL. I own a shirt with him. I own a jersey. Like, he's the only player I've ever owned an NFL jersey for. Not even Tom Brady did I own an NFL jersey for Tom Brady. So, I love Tua. But I can admit, man, it was it was hard to watch Justin Herbert like look amazing and watch Joe Burrow drop dime after dime all over the field and watch Tua kind of struggle to throw the ball. And you're like, Tua, like, oh, no, this is not good. However, I'm not ready to bail on Tua just yet. I get it. I'm a fan. I understand that. Uh, but Peyton Manning had a really bad rookie year as well. I don't know that you can say one year and he's terrible. I, look at what Tua has done in the past. Look at a weird offseason with uh, very little preparation. A guy who is coming off an injury. And Tua is not like uh, Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is a guy who is really, really physically talented. He can get away with not having a perfect read or making a play you know, out of rhythm because he's really naturally gifted. Tua, quite frankly, is not the same natural talent Justin Herbert is. Tua needs to be in rhythm, needs to have a great system around him. He's a, a kind of the classic system quarterback. He needs help. Uh, doesn't mean he can't be amazing. Drew Brees was a system quarterback. A guy named Brett Coleman, guy I love, made a video kind of breaking that down. 
Um, and so I think Miami can use that number six overall pick to draft a playmaker, a guy who they can use to build around Tua. And you get a guy like Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith, some big name stud player to build around Tua, help look to make Tua look better. I, I love that. And Tua, I know a lot of people doubt Tua. I, I would, again, refer to Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning had a really bad rookie year, came back, bounced back. He's a Hall of Famer. He's amazing. So one bad year, does, I, I'm pretty patient with quarterbacks. I'm like, okay, one year, it's really not enough to fully evaluate the guy, especially like Daniel Jones, for example. I don't believe Daniel Jones is going to work in New York, but I want to see Daniel Jones play a year with a ton of help and a lot of support around him. And if he still can't make it work, then we can completely bail, right? Just because I don't believe in Daniel Jones doesn't mean I'm going to bail on him early. So Tua, let's not bail on the guy. He's out there working his butt off to prove all the people that doubt him wrong. He is going to work his tail off to prove himself right. And uh, I I want to see. I don't know if Tua is going to work or not. I really don't. I have to dive into the film. Uh, he's not, again, incredibly physically gifted. But with a good system, with good playmakers around him, Tua could be outstanding. So I, I just have patience, and I'm, I'm really glad Miami decided to double down and say, we're with Tua, we're going to build around him, rather than give him one year in bail. I just don't think Tua, the person's a great leader, a good person, and I, I think he's got the work ethic to get better and keep growing as a quarterback. And a, a lot of people are ready to discard him early. I'm just not that guy. I'm not ready to completely walk away from a guy with a lot of talent who had an underwhelming rookie season. Now the Eagles, uh, what they got is decent. The Eagles, uh, they moved down six spots, and as a result of that, they added basically an extra first-round pick for next year. Philadelphia, uh, basically, number one, they showed they are very, very committed to their young quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I love that. Jalen is outstanding, great leader, great work ethic, a guy I would build around. He's on a rookie contract. Again, when you have a quarterback on a rookie contract, you're paying him nothing. You can really build around the guy. Spend money, build your roster. Um, I, I like that. Uh, the Eagles even brought in Joe Flacco to be Jalen's backup to kind of mentor him. Philly will not draft a quarterback. They're drafting 12th overall. And I'm glad. I, I like the move committing to Jalen. However, after the moves, as I watch Miami get a ton of first-round picks, and I watch the 49ers get a future quarterback of the future, Quarterback future, quarterback of the future, uh, did not sound great. I apologize. Doing my best. You try talking for an hour. It's hard. Now, Philly, though, after all these moves, feels kind of like the loser. Now, they're not a dramatic, awful loser, but they definitely did the worst of all three teams. Uh, they moved down six spots, and moving down from number six overall to number 12 overall, overall drastically changes the type of player you end up picking in the draft. They went from so they went from number six overall, where they could have been one of the first teams to draft a non-quarterback, quarterback, quarterback uh, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars. Sorry, Jacksonville Jets. Then uh, we, number three overall, the 49ers, the, the three quarterbacks off the board. Then we assume the Bengals and the Falcons probably aren't going to draft a quarterback. So if you have the number six overall pick with Philly, you can get one of the premier, best players in the draft: Penay Sewell, Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase. But now they're not going to get one of those guys. They're going to get a less desirable player. Still a solid player, but not one of the best players probably in the draft. Top 10 pick, top 6 pick to 12, that's a, that's a big drop. And going from stud, amazing player to a good, decent starter, 
The results of that, they got a first-round pick for next year. Woo! Exciting! A first-round pick. Here's the problem. It's not that great of a pick. Miami's a good football team. Miami's not going to be awful next year. They might not be amazing. But the pick that Philadelphia got from Miami, it's Miami's pick. It depends on how well Miami does next year. Miami's not going to do so badly that Philly gets a top 10 pick. And it might not even be a pick in the teens. I mean, it could be a the 21st overall pick. That, do you want that if you're Philly? Is that, I mean, it's not awful. Is it worth giving up what, Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, that remains to be seen. We'll track that a year and a half from now. We'll revisit and go, man, that trade. They got like a, a starting corner who had some kind of an impact, but not great. And they got like a backup linebacker. <laughs> it's, we're we're going to go like, ah, underwhelming. Uh, my fear is this trade was better for Miami than it was for Philadelphia. And while they got a decent haul, uh, they got a pick to lose a good player. I, I just, Philadelphia is the one trade where I go like, I don't know that that was the best trade ever for Philadelphia. They could prove me wrong. I have an open mind. Uh, but I, I just think that Philly did the worst in all of this trade sequence between Miami, 40, uh, the 49ers, and Philadelphia. Philly did the worst. Okay, um, let's talk about this. The New York Giants signed wide receiver Kenny Galladay to a four-year, $72 million deal. It's worth up to $76 million. Uh, $40 million guaranteed. That's awesome. Number one, I am so... So happy for Kenny Galladay. He was playing on a rookie contract. Uh, this deal, $40 million guaranteed no matter what happens, that's life-changing. If he is smart, which I think he will be, he's set for life. He never, after football, whenever his career is over, he will never have to work again. Uh, that's, that's amazing. That's, I, I really, really am happy for Kenny Galladay. Uh, a lot of guys play in the NFL. They never get that kind of money, not even close. Now, it is likely that New York overpaid for Kenny Galladay just a little bit. They're paying him $18 million a year. It's rumored that the other offers were like $12 million and $11 million. So I, ah, it's, it's possible that they overpaid Kenny Galladay by about 6 to $5 million a year. And it's not perfect. I mean, that's a big chunk of money that they could have used to build the rest of their team. However, here's the thing. Whoever got Kenny Galladay was going to have to overpay to get him. To land Kenny Galladay, you were going to have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. Exorbitant? That's the word. I, I tried. I like, it's a big word. It's a $5 word. I did my best. <laughs> um, I don't hate the deal because if you look at what it takes, you get the big playmaking receiver. And what that does is the Giants needed him very, very badly. The Giants needed a big playmaking receiver to support their young quarterback, Daniel Jones. And that's my favorite thing about the deal. Maybe they ever pay the guy by $6 million. I also think that when you factor the New York uh, state income tax, uh, it's less money than you think compared to maybe if we went to somewhere like Miami or uh, Jacksonville or Tampa. Like Places with no state income tax could have paid them way less money and would have made more. So it's, it's debatable. I think that has to play a factor in there somewhere that's like at least a couple million in there. Uh, now, what I love about this move, bringing in Kenny Galladay to the New York Giants, there are now... No more excuses for the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones. He's going into year three. He's in the same offensive system as before. There's weapons around him. Daniel Jones needs to do well in 2020. He's got to deliver. You got Saquon Barkley at running back, coming back off an injury. 
a new big playmaking receiver, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram, Kyle Rudolph, role players like uh, Dante Pettis. They brought in John Ross, who is a former uh, top 10 pick who's incredibly fast. He's never panned out in the NFL. John Ross could be a terrible bust, but they brought him in a cheap contract. We'll see if they can do anything with John Ross. I would love that. He's very fast. Uh, Can they use that? We'll find out. But the Giants have given Daniel Jones a ton of support. It is now time for Daniel Jones to deliver. And I, I personally, when I watch the Giants next year, I just can't wait to find out how good is Daniel Jones? Like, does it work? I, I personally do not have a lot of faith in the guy. I think Daniel Jones is a very limited quarterback. He's not incredibly physically gifted. Uh, he probably his best skill set, uh, best trait is his ability to run around, actually, which is like, if your best skill set is your ability to run as a quarterback, I'm kind of like, ah, really? I, I don't know. But we'll find out. Look, I, I could be dead wrong, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback for New York, and we're going to find out next year. It, it's year three. It's time to deliver. And that is the best story. And that big question mark. Will Daniel Jones deliver in 2021? I cannot wait to find out. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And uh, that's, I mean, Kenny Galladay, man, it puts the pressure on Daniel Jones. There's nothing more you can say that hasn't been given to Daniel Jones. You can complain about, I, no matter what happens, somebody's going to defend Daniel Jones and complain about something. But I, I am ready to say, look, they've done everything they can. They've supported the guy. They've brought in weapons. Year three, Daniel Jones, pony up. Let's see what happens. I cannot wait to find out how good Daniel Jones is this year. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll talk about Formula One. Oh, my goodness, dude. What a race. I think that's my favorite Formula One race I've ever watched in my life. Uh, we'll talk about the Bahrain Grand Prix in a moment, and then we'll finish the show with Ask Zach. My name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very, very well. Uh, let's start here. It was uh, Friday night, home hanging out, like I always do. I'm a giant homebody. I'm a nerd. I mean, look at the shirt I'm wearing, right? I just, I'm a nerd. I own it. I like it. Uh, and I was missing football. And I'm like, man, I just, I really want to watch some good quarterback play. And so, and by the way, this is very, very telling. I did not put on Tom Brady. I didn't watch Drew Brees or Russell Wilson or uh, I didn't even watch Patrick Mahomes. I, I was just missing football. Wanting to watch kind of like some comfort food style film. And the quarterback I put on, Aaron Rodgers. Because Aaron Rodgers does stuff throwing a football. I've, just, I, I've never seen people do. It's amazing. His back shoulder throws, it's unbelievable. The throws he makes, the ease he does it with, the, the arm angles, the, the way he torques the ball. I just, his fundamentals, everything. The ease, the effortlessness he throws a football with is unbelievable to me. Uh, I think he's the most gifted thrower of the football we've ever seen Literally ever. Uh, and so, you know, Friday night, I'm watching Aaron Rodgers film, and my mind started to wander. Just kind of appreciating Aaron Rodgers, and I'm watching, like, thinking, man, uh, the Green Bay Packers drafted a quarterback, Jordan Love, in the first round. Right after, by the way, Green Bay had gone to the NFC Championship game. One game away from the Super Bowl, and instead of drafting a receiver to help out Aaron win for next year, Instead of helping Aaron, they drafted his replacement. And I just, I thought about that a lot. I'm like, man, how would I feel if I was Aaron Rodgers in that moment? And even better, by the way, is that 
after they drafted his replacement the very next year, Aaron Rodgers won the NFL MVP. MVP of the whole league. And now I'm seeing rumors that maybe Aaron is not going to be invited back to Green Bay after 2021. Like, oh, Aaron, he's out after this year. And I just want to ask again, how would you feel if you were Aaron Rodgers? You know, they uh, would you feel wanted? Would you feel trusting of the Green Bay Packers? Would you trust your organization? And what do you do when you don't trust your girlfriend? What do you do when you don't feel wanted? What if you don't trust your boss? How do you handle that situation? And what if your team drafted your replacement rather than helping you win? And what if you won the NFL MVP and there was still rumors about your future, whether or not you had a secure future on your team? How would you respond? Would you trust your team? And I guess the real ultimate question is, should Aaron Rodgers trust the Green Bay Packers? I'll let you answer. I, I, I'm, I just, that's a question I want to put out to the world. Should Aaron Rodgers trust the Green Bay Packers? All right. Uh, let's shift gears. Oh, my goodness. On Sunday, we had the Bahrain Grand Prix. Uh, the result was familiar. Uh, you know, uh, by the way, the way we got there, though, gave me hope. There's a lot to unpack here. Let's start with the podium. Lewis Hamilton won. Max Verstappen got second. Valtteri Bottas got third. Uh, and it's, again, we've, we've seen that exact podium, like, I feel like so many times in the past. But it was actually very tense and very exciting the way we got there. It's the first time in forever that I was watching an F1 race going, man, Red Bull genuinely has the pace to challenge Mercedes. I was convinced watching, like, oh, man, Red Bull might win this thing. Like, they really have an actual shot. And for the final five laps of the race, Max was right behind Lewis. Now, catching up to somebody and then passing them, it's two different things. And Max, in the end, could not get past Lewis. But here's the thing. I don't really care whether or not Lewis wins. I just want it to be close. I want to be convinced that Red Bull has a legitimate shot to win. Watching on Sunday, I was on the edge of my seat. I was you doing that nervous tick at the pen going like, just doing my nervous, like, just, oh, my gosh, this has happened. My girlfriend and I, or my fiance and I are watching going like, this, this might happen. Like, this really could be the day Red Bull beats Mercedes. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I just was so excited about it. And I can't say it enough. I, actually, I thought Max had a chance, and it was the first time I've ever watched Red Bull and thought, Red Bull has the pace to beat Mercedes. This is going to be a different year. And it just made me very excited, full of hope, and uh, full of hope. And uh, the reason why Max lost to Lewis Hamilton, in my opinion, is that Lewis did an early pit stop on lap 14. He undercut Max Verstappen. And it took Red Bull a while to respond. They waited four more laps before they brought in Max to do a pit stop. And so Lewis is on fresh tires. It gave him four laps to close the distance between him and Max Verstappen. And so because of that undercut, because of the poor response by Red Bull, Red Bull lost track positioning and uh, Mercedes won because of tire strategy. But I love that. The fact that they won because of tire strategy, it's a different way for Mercedes to win. It wasn't just sheer power. It wasn't like Mercedes had the clear obvious best car hallelujah competition 
I love it. I'm like, yes. I don't care. I Lewis Hamilton won. Great. Was it fun? Was it amazing? Was it enjoyable? Was it tense? Was it exciting? It was all those things. That is why I watch sports. That I loved it, man. I, I'm watching on the edge of my seat, coming down to the final moments. Max and Lewis. Bumper to bumper, something like, oh, yes, it's going to happen. And it didn't happen, but I don't care. It's the thrill. It's the chase. It's the thought that it might happen. That, to me, made it my favorite race in a long time. That, that the long tension, is Max going to catch him? Then Max gets up to him. He catches him. Will he pass him? He does pass him, but then he passes illegally. So he's got to give it back to Lewis Hamilton, try to do it again. And by then, his tires are ruined. It's like, oh, my, the drama. It's amazing. I had the time of my life watching on Sunday. And uh, it's just I, that battle. I love it. That, the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull all year. I'm expecting it to be outstanding. It's what I think we all kind of were hoping that race other than Mercedes winning. That race went exactly the way people hoped it would between Max and Lewis. They're going to be fun all year and it's going to make it an amazing, amazing year in Formula One. Now, uh, there are three things I want to talk about. That surprised me. Three big surprises. Uh, Sergio Perez, Sebastian Vettel, and Charles Leclerc. Number one, Sergio Perez did not even make it to Q3 in qualifying. He was supposed to start the race P11. Uh, then on the formation lap, Sergio Perez, Checo Perez, lost power. And instead, he actually had to start the race from pit lane. Dead last. So that's that's not a good, obviously a good starting spot for Sergio Perez. And Red Bull, like we've seen so many times in the past, Red Bull once again did not get support from their number two driver. Uh, it was, again, like we've seen before, Max versus Mercedes. Max with two Mercedes cars behind him. And so now Sergio Perez had technical difficulties, plus he's learning a new car. I, I can excuse it. I get it. Hey, race number one. Fine. But Red Bull needs to get Sergio up at the front next race. It's got to happen. They got to get this figured out very, very quickly. They need Sergio Perez up there helping Max challenge Mercedes. It's got to be better moving forward. Now, credit to Checo. He's got incredible pace. He actually finished P5. From dead last to P5, that's not nothing. But he's got to have a better start to the race next time. They need to have two cars challenging Mercedes the entire race. So they do that. Man, it's going to be really, really... It's, it's exciting, man. I, I really want to watch a, a podium where... I, I, how crazy would it be to have a podium with two Red Bull cars rather than two Mercedes? If that could happen... I, I want to see Checo and Valtteri Bottas just back and forth, just battling it out for that third place. It'd be so fun. That is what I want. And it, by the way, Red Bull's capable of that. It's, it's pretty clear they got the pace. They just need to figure out the nonsense. Don't have your car die during the formation lap. Don't have a horrible qualifying session. It's it, I, I have patience, but not that much. I really want to see Red Bull continue to challenge Mercedes. Now, Sebastian Vettel uh, was also disappointing in his start for Aston Martin. Now, he did not do great in qualifying. Uh, then he got a grid penalty. So, Sebastian Vettel was scheduled to go start P20. You know, dead last before, of course, then Checo had... The power issue, and he started actually 19th instead of 20th. But he started the race at the back, uh, really could not overcome a lot of the challenges early on. He finished only P15. Meanwhile, his teammate Lance Stroll, the other Aston Martin, finished P10, got some points. So, got a point, excuse me. And I, I love the look of the Aston Martin green car. It's beautiful. It's 
Like, oh, I, I, that color is unbelievable. But as much as I love the color, I also have to admit I overestimated uh, the power from Aston Martin. I, I just look, they look like they're going to be fighting for fifth or sixth all year rather than third. I thought Aston Martin was in the conversation for third place. It appears after one race now, it's a new team. Seb is learning. I don't want to overreact, but it appears to me that, uh, you know, Aston Martin's not going to be in the conversation for third this year unless they make some drastic improvements. And I just walked away from race number one, one race so far. It's again, we, a lot of season ahead of us, but after one race, I was not impressed with Aston Martin and, uh, I just maybe their eyes are on 2022, kind of like Alpine is and other teams. But I so far, I'm like, ah, Aston Martin, not that impressive. Now, I was very impressed with Ferrari. Ferrari, you know, I I rag on Ferrari. I do it whenever I can. I have no problem calling them out when they're bad. But what goes along with that, if you're going to call out a team for being bad, you have to praise them when they're good. And Ferrari was very, very good in race number one. Charles Leclerc qualified P4. He finished the race P6, uh, and Ferrari versus McLaren is going to be a really, really fun battle all year. McLaren finished, Lando Norris got P4, Daniel Ricciardo got P7, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc got P6, and Carlos Sainz got P8. So 4-7, 6-8. I mean, they are just neck and neck between the two, kind of you know, straddling each other. And, uh, they, you know... Ferrari and McLaren are going to duke it out this year. That battle for third in the Constructors' Cup is going to be fantastic. And I just, man, I I expected McLaren to look that good. I did not have that kind of expectations for Ferrari based on how bad they were last year, based on my lack of uh, respect for Mattia Bonotto, the team principal. I'm like, I just, I don't think it's going to work. I So far, one race in, I look very, very wrong. I walked away very impressed with Ferrari, man. They, they had good pace and uh, it's going to be, you know, Landover and Danny Rick against Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. That's a really fun battle. And McLaren Ferrari, man, it's going to be back and forth all year. And I, I was when when Carlos Sainz left McLaren for Ferrari, I went, that's a bad move. Like, what, dude, a team on the rise for Ferrari who's in the dumps. But to be honest, I mean, if they're neck and neck, and Ferrari is pretty clearly a much stronger brand than Ferrari, best thing Carlos Sainz could have ever done in his career. Be number two at McLaren. Or be number two at Ferrari where they're the same power, but you have a gigantic, you know, advertising stream behind you. Just a gigantic brand of, you know, the Tifosi love, love, love Ferrari. Uh, I I look at this. If it stays the course, if Ferrari really is third or, you know, right there with McLaren, then Carlos Sainz made an absolutely brilliant move. Probably did anyway. Even if Ferrari was terrible, you're a Ferrari driver. It's just huge for your brand and your, you know, who you are and your persona. But uh, especially now that Ferrari looks good, I, I I look differently on the move Carlos Sainz made to Ferrari if they can keep it up. And I I, I hope they do. I really want to see that battle. Ferrari, McLaren all year. That's going to be awesome. Now, um, you know, Fernando, Fernando Alonso had some trouble. He had to retire early. I believe lap 33, he had brake failure. I know he had brake failure. I think it was lap 33. And you know, Alpine has work to do, man. Their reliability is going to be a concern for them. They've been really preparing hard for next year, 2022. And so right now, the battle for fifth is going to be Alpine, Alpha Tauri, and Aston Martin. I, right now, if I had to make a prediction, which I will, it looks like Alpha Tauri is a team to beat for fifth in Formula One in the Constructors' Cup, where... Uh, you know, Yuki Sonoda made his 
debut, rookie debut in Formula One. Dude was impressive. Yuki Sonoda, oh my gosh, man. He got P9 uh, in his first ever race in Formula One. That's a big deal. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Pierre Gassi, his teammate, retired on lap 53 of 56. Three laps to go, Pierre Gassi retired. I don't know if it's because uh, he's just like, I'm not going to score points. It's not worth it. I I'm think he must have had car trouble because early on, Pierre got into, you know, ran into some debris and then lost his front wing and had to pit really quickly and ended up way in the back. But he really, ever since hitting debris, Pierre Gassi really, really struggled to recover. Very much he got outshined by Yuki Sonoda, his teammate. So I think that's going to be an interesting battle all year. Yuki Sonoda compared to Pierre Gasly. Who's better? And and is Pierre Gasly going to be that continually streaky guy who is good sometimes and bad sometimes? I mean, is Yuki Sonoda the next guy who's going to be next to Max Verstappen someday racing for Red Bull? I, 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 look, it's one race. It's a massive overreaction. But wow, Yuki Sonoda looked really, really poised and very, very impressive. And I just... From the rookie's standpoint, I mean, he's by far the, the best-looking rookie on the track on Sunday. How? Let's talk about the worst rookie from Sunday. Let's talk about Haas, H-Ass. Uh, I, I, they're an American team. I'm an American. I got some disdain for Haas. Uh, it's, oh, man. I, I, I love Gunter Steiner, their, their team principal. He's, how can you not root for Gunter Steiner? Uh, but I've shown my disdain for the Haas rookie driver, Nikita Mazepin. Uh seems like a gigantic punk and, and frankly, uh, a, a, a bunghole <laughs> off the track. A guy you just, man, I don't, I'm not a fan of Nikita Mazepin, who he is as a person. He's only in an F1 car, by the way, because his daddy paid for it. Uh, you know, Haas needed money. The dad, you know, <laughs> Nikita Mazepin's dad was like, I got some cash. I know you need money. Well, let's make a deal. Um, he's an awful driver. Oh my goodness, Nikita Mazepin. Uh, his, you know, his F1 debut, his debut race, Nikita Mazepin, it lasted all of three corners before he turned out, uh, wiped out into the wall. And he, look, he was awful in practice, awful in qualifying, kept spinning out, kept having problems. Clearly, Nikita Mazepin is not one of the best drivers in the world, not even close. And I, I frankly think he's embarrassing for Formula One. Nikita Mazepin, awful, awful. What are you doing there? You look out of place. Well, He's like the one that doesn't belong. It's just like, why is this kid here? And by the way, Monaco's on the schedule this year. Monaco's a very narrow, tight, technical track. I, I put up, uh, I played the Formula 1 video game last night just to refresh my mind of what Monaco looked like. Oh my goodness. Can you, I can't even drive through Monaco in a video game, let alone in real life. It's unbelievable. And so I, my fear is that, you know, Nikita Mazeman's going to take out somebody who's actually got a shot at points. I mean, I do not look forward to watching Nikita Mazepin try to drive at Monaco. And he's not going to, he's not going to drive. He's going to try to drive. And again, I'm afraid he's going to take out somebody who's got a legitimate shot at scoring points. Someone like Charles Leclerc or Lando Norris. What if he has an accident, runs into one of those guys, costs them a huge amount of points. I just, I I hate the fact that Nikita Mazepin is out there. I don't think he deserves it. I don't think he's a good driver. He's a playboy idiot and a terrible, awful Formula One driver. The final thing I want to talk about today, uh, relating to Formula One, clearly, Alex, I love Formula One. It's so exciting to me. Now, I love Tom Brady. He's my favorite NFL player uh, of all time. I, I just, I, I grew up admiring him. I, for the most, when people are successful, I tend to really, really respect that, admire that, and the parallels between 
Lewis Hamilton and Tom Brady are endless. They both have won seven championships. That's kind of crazy. Uh, they've dominated for years. And uh, football fans are very, very tired of Tom Brady, the quarterback, dominating the NFL. And watching Lewis Hamilton helps me understand how people must feel when they watch Tom Brady. Where, you know, I respect Lewis. He's amazing. Uh, and he was the better driver on Sunday. Like, Lewis Hamilton uh, and, and Mercedes, man, they they didn't just win with sheer power. They won with strategy. That's a different, unique win for Mercedes. I loved it. But, man, I, I, I don't know about you. I really, really want to see Max beat Mercedes this year. I want to see Max beat Lewis Hamilton. I... I think people watch Tom Brady and go like, I, I want to see Tom Brady lose. Even if they respect Tom Brady, they want to see it come. They want to see the guy lose. And I, I hate to admit it. I would love to watch Lewis Hamilton lose. I, I really would. I, I just, man, I, that's why we, I think a lot of people are rooting for Red Bull this year going like, that's an underdog. We like the underdog and we, I want to see so badly. I want to see Red Bull win. I just think it'd be fun. It'd be so exciting and so cool. And uh, either way, I mean, the tension, the chase, it's going to be an amazing F1 season, but I, I just, uh, man, it, it, I would love to see it. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. I, even Tom Brady, I love Tom Brady more in Tampa Bay as an underdog than he was in New England. I just, I really like when people are underdogs. And I think Red Bull's the underdog story this year, and it'll be fun, man. A lot of stuff happened. I remember there was that moment where, you know, Max passed Lewis Hamilton. They had to give the spot back, and... Uh, the conversation then became like, should he have waited longer to give the spot back? I, it's you know he illegally passed Lewis, so he had to give it back. It's there's a lot to break down. I'm not going to get into everything, but uh, man, what an amazing race! The next F1 race is April 18 in Italy at Imola, and uh, oh man, I, I just I had a blast on Sunday. I really cannot wait for race number two uh, in Italy coming up on April 18th. All right, guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we will do Ask Zach, uh, my favorite part of the show. And uh, I just uh, really appreciate it. I hope you have a, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'll, be, I'll see you guys in literally like 15 seconds. My name is Zach Schaumler. Short break. Uh, be right back. All right, we are back. Hope you're doing very, very well. It's now time for my favorite part of the show, Ask Zach. In case you don't know how it works, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can't give more if you want to. Please do. Uh, it literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month allows you to have access to submit questions on the show. Now, I do not guarantee to read your question on the podcast. Uh, my only guarantee is I look at every single question with my eyeballs, and then I pick the ones I like, and I read them on the show. Uh, now, the first question of the day comes from – it's a two-part. It's Josh and then TJ. So Josh says, what's the best move – for the Falcons at pick number four. Seems like a new regime could go many directions. Justin Fields, Kyle Pitts, defense. Hmm. And TJ says, I really want to see us draft a quarterback. Uh, then he says, a former, or sorry, a fellow Falcons fan. Not a former Falcon fan, a fellow Falcon fan. He loves the Falcons. Uh, he wants them to draft a quarterback. Now, I really had not considered the Falcons drafting a quarterback until this moment. It kind of makes sense. New coach, new regime, completely you want to put your own stamp on it, get your own quarterback. Now, I think really part of why uh, the new coach there took the job is because he wanted to work with Matt Ryan. Uh, and you know what? This would never, ever happen 
But the Bears should either trade up to number four overall. The Bears should make a strong offer. Like, hey, we'll give you four years in a row of first-round picks to get your number four overall pick from the Falcons. If the Falcons aren't going to draft a quarterback, then, hey, we'll do anything to get your picks. We'll give you, like, five firsts. They can get, you know, somebody else. The Bears need a quarterback more than it's awful. I cannot believe the Bears are going with Andy Dalton. Like, that's their plan, by the way. The Bears' plan is Andy Dalton next year. Oh, so exciting and horrifying, honestly. Um, now, maybe the Bears trade for Matt Ryan. If the Bears, you know, that's another, hey, we'll trade you a bunch of first-round picks for Matt Ryan. You keep your number four overall pick. You draft whatever quarterback you want to rebuild your franchise. Like, hey, the Bears... Contact the Falcons. They're the only team now available. It seems like they'd be willing to trade down. Maybe maybe the Bengals would too. I don't know. Uh, but I, I, the Bears, it's baffling me why they're not thinking, let's pull a San Francisco 49ers move. We'll, we'll trade you the farm to go get a quarterback in the first round. I mean, the Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky. You don't think Trey Lance is worth trading up for? Mac Jones? Like, <laughs> I don't understand what the Bears are doing. Uh, now, so I, I think... What the Falcons should do is draft either Panay Sewell on the offensive line. He's a tackle. They probably don't do that because just recently uh, the Falcons drafted two rookies in the first round. So they, they probably don't need uh, more rookie young offensive linemen. So they probably draft Jamar Chase at receiver or Kyle Pitts at tight end. Uh, those are kind of the, the three best non-quarterback players. Maybe Devontae uh, Smith, but I, I just don't think that. I think Jamar Chase is a better draw at receiver. But also, do the Falcons need another receiver? Like, what do the Falcons really need? That's a big question. And I think, frankly, the best thing the Falcons can do is trade down. I'm surprised that Chicago isn't in the mix to trade up to Atlanta. I, just, I, don't, I don't understand what the Bears are doing. And I don't know why nobody's asking the question, why, you know, is the Falcons draft pick for sale? Is Matt Ryan for sale? I don't know. But why is, no, is that conversation not being had by anybody anywhere? I, I really have... Very, very strong questions about that. Uh, Jeffrey writes in, interesting question. Uh, He says, hey, Zach, hope you're doing well. You seem to be pretty well spoken on your show and make minimal mistakes during recording. So I was curious if you've ever considered doing the show live on YouTube before. I know you take breaks a lot after segments, but I think this would be a great way to interact further with your fans and to potentially pay some more rent with some super chats. Let me know your thoughts on this. Uh, You're the best as always. Um, first of all, I don't, I just don't want to do a live show. I, I really, I think I could, I could host a live show, be very good. Now I personally wouldn't want to do that until I at least would want like a, a producer, like switching camera angles or doing something or like in my ear saying, Hey, dingus, you said, uh, you said David Garrard when you met Byron Leftwich. Like I, I really would have could, I could have used a producer in that moment after the Super Bowl when I said the wrong quarterback name. Like I, that would have been great. Uh, didn't have that. Uh, so if I ever go live, I'd want that for sure. Uh, look, I, I've got no desire. It's a technical headache to go live. It really is. Um, I don't have a PC. I've got a Mac. Uh, and that seems like a whole other can of worms. I just, I don't want to do it. I, I, frankly, I don't want to do it. That's Maybe that's my answer. I just don't want to do it until uh, I have to, if I ever need to. I don't know. Um, it would be fun. My thought is maybe Super Chats, like I'd do the entire, because I don't want to be, reading comments during my show. You ever watch a show live on YouTube and it's very awkward and abrupt and there's all this switching and pausing and it's like, it's so disjointed because the person's delivering their message, but then they're reading chats on the side and it's like, this doesn't work. So what I would do is probably do my whole show, deliver my message, say what I have to say, 
probably frankly take, like, hey, I'm taking a five minute break. I'm going to drink water, go to the bathroom. I'll be back when I'm ready to come back. And then, you know, put it like a little ding, like an SOS screen with a bit of music. That's possible. And then at the end of the show, maybe do like, I'll read some super chats. But after I get what I have to say out of my mouth and out of my, my brain, because I, I just wouldn't want to disrupt the flow of the show by reading super chats. And I, again, I don't need the money. I, I really, uh, I guess, it, look, it'd be nice. Let me tell you, I, I always looking for more money, but I'm, I'm doing okay. Like I, I'm living just above paycheck to paycheck. I'm surviving and I'm doing fairly well. And I just really don't need, uh, I'm just not at a point where I'm desperate for the super chat income. And I just don't, I don't want, I don't, I don't want to do live show. I, I just don't, it seems like a risk. It seems like a pain in the butt. It seems like, uh, a lot of negative and not a lot of return, frankly, to me. So I just, I, I don't see myself doing that anytime soon. And certainly not before, I, again, if I ever do a live show, I've got somebody in my ear, I've got help, I've got a producer, I want something like that if I ever do a live show someday. Joshua writes in, very fun question. I should have teased this one because it's really interesting. Joshua says, hey, Zach, since the recut of Justice League just came out, which power set from the league would you want most? Or what superpower from any lore would be your go-to? Uh, two thoughts here. Number one, I just I should have thought about this earlier. Uh, I'm recording a podcast about the Snyder Cut on April 2nd. The film analysis, the new podcast about movies. I've been working on it behind the scenes a lot. Got a lot of episodes recorded already. Uh, it'll be out uh, early April. One of the early episodes is about the Snyder Cut. Recording that on April 2nd. So, hey, if you want to hear my thoughts on the Snyder Cut, got a lot to say, man. Uh, I loved it which I did not think I would love it. We'll talk about that someday on the other podcast. Uh, here's the person's powers that I would want. I think people don't realize, dude, the Martian Manhunter is the most overpowered person on planet. Uh, and he's got one weakness. His weakness is fire. Uh, the Martian Manhunter turns into like a puddle of green goop when <laughs> when uh, he uh, sees fire. That sounds like very inconvenient. Maybe avoid fire. I don't know. Uh, and, and the name Manhunter is not particularly appealing. I, maybe the Martian green guy would have been better. I don't, I don't know. But here are the, the superpowers for the Martian Manhunter. He's like so OP, it's unbelievable. He's got, uh, I mean, it's overpowered. He can fly. He can go invisible. He can use telekinesis. He can get in your brain and talk to you mentally. Like he can talk to people that are disabled and, you know, can't speak anymore. He can get in their head and talk to them and have communication with them. Uh, he can shapeshift. How valuable would that be to shapeshift into whatever you want today i'm the bank guard rob the bank it's so easy invisible shapeshifting do you need both nobody needs both shapeshifting and invisibility but he's got both which is ridiculous um he's really strong like super strong he can regenerate if you like you know hurt him really bad he can regenerate and heal himself the dude can do anything and everything so if there's one superhero kind of the world that I would want to have their powers other than that fire thing, which is really inconvenient. Like campfires would really suck if you just melt into a little puddle. Uh, but do the Martian Manhunter fly invisibility, telekinesis, uh, shape-shifting, super strength regeneration. I think the list goes on too. I just, that's what I remember off the top of my head. It's unbelievable. The Martian Manhunter, um, is ridiculously overpowered. It's like, I, I would give anything for all that stuff. That's, he's got too many superpowers. Um, now, the next question is from Zach. Zach writes in. He says, hey, Zach, congrats on your engagement. I recently popped the question myself. Hey, Zach, other Zach, congratulations. Well done. His name's uh, with a C-H, though. I just Z-A-C. He says, I recently popped the question myself, and I can confirm it's an amazing feeling. 
and truly one of the best memories you can have. Question for you about the Patriots. If you were the GM, what would you do about the quarterback situation? <clears throat> Got a thing in my throat. Ah, okay. So if I was the Patriots general manager, which is, you know, Bill Belichick, here's what I would do. I, I say this humbly because Bill Belichick, genius, right? Uh, I'd go with Cam for a year. Former NFL MVP. I, I really want to see what Cam can do when he actually has some help and some support. I would either do that, stick with Cam, or, and probably and, or I would stick with Cam no matter what because he's cheap and you can do him for a year no matter what happens. But if I'm the Patriots, I would trade up. I would do what the 49ers did say, hey, Atlanta, what's up? Uh, you want like four first-round picks? We'll do that. We'll take Trey Lance and we'll give you four first-round picks. Or, hey, we'll trade you. You want Trey Lance? We'll, hey, we'll take Matt Ryan. <laughs> we will make a trade. I don't know why everybody isn't calling Atlanta with very strong, like, the 49ers had the guts to trade up and say, we believe in our court. We need a quarterback. We are. Future as a franchise hinges on our ability to get a franchise quarterback. We will trade anything to get a quarterback. Why aren't the Patriots doing that? I don't know. If I am the Patriots, I'm calling Atlanta saying, hey, what's an offer you cannot refuse? How about four first-round picks? You're going to deny four first-round picks for Trey Lance? Come on. You're going to do that. And we're going we're gonna to make that trade because we got all the pieces already. We don't need first-round picks. We, we need a quarterback. So I just, I, if I'm the Patriots, I'm moving up and I'm calling Atlanta. And I don't know why Atlanta's phone isn't ringing off the hook. It should be, everybody should want to talk to Atlanta. Final question is from Logan. Uh, by the way, I want to say, I love the way Logan writes his questions. There's just this energy and enthusiasm that I, oh dude, Logan, well done, my friend. He says this, he says, I'm petitioning you to be hired as the quarterback analyst down here for the Jags. Give me a, Hoorah for Jacksonville. And I, I, I went with it. I'll say that. <laughs> now, this, this is where the wordplay gets really fun. Logan says, riddle me this, my dear mentor of ball throwing. <laughs> what is the best scenario for the Jags quarterback room? I say we trade Minshew and sign on Alex Smith as a mentor for Trevor. What A role that he is obviously wonderful at. What do you think of Minshew's current trade value? And who would you sign? As the veteran backup. Logan, well done. Uh, Alex Smith would be a perfect mentor for Trevor Lawrence. He can even play if you need him to. Uh, he's kind. He's helpful. Uh, he has shown a desire to want to be a starting quarterback. It's not going to happen for Alex Smith. But here's the, the connection I think nobody knows about. Because it's been so long now. Who was Alex Smith's coach at Utah when Alex Smith was in college? Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer coached Alex Smith years ago. Why not come back, play for Urban Meyer again, help mentor this young quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. You're indebted to Jacksonville's indebted to you forever. You get more money. I, it's amazing. So uh, now I, I personally think the Jaguars are going to keep Gardner Minshew because unless, unless somebody gives Jacksonville a offer they cannot refuse for Gardner Minshew, look at it from Jacksonville's standpoint. Gardner is cheap. He can play if you need him to. Like, what if Trevor Lawrence isn't ready day one? Well, you got, got Gardner Minshew. He's fine. He can play. And you're not as attached to the success of Gardner. If Gardner Minshew does bad, he's supposed to do bad. It's very low risk. And so I, I don't know why Jackson will get rid of a cheap option who can play a little bit. It, it doesn't. There's no reason for Jacksonville to not keep Gardner Minshew unless someone offers them like a really good deal that they're like, well, 
fine. But I, I, I think I would be, frankly, shocked if the Jaguars ended up trading away Gardner Minshew. They won't do it. They have no incentive to. Uh, he's cheap. He can play. And they can use him. So uh, until they're 100% certain, hey, Trevor is our guy. And what if Trevor gets hurt? You still need want to be competitive. You want to back up quarterback. So uh, I think Gardner is the backup. He's stuck in Jacksonville as the backup for a long time. Unless somebody gets a hankering for like, like I don't know why the Bears aren't calling Jacksonville saying, hey, uh, you, you would rather have Andy Dalton than Gardner Minshew. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Come on, guy. Dude, Gardner did well with Jacksonville. Jacksonville, they're awful. Andy Dalton, ugh, I, the, the Bears, what are the Bears doing? I don't understand. I just will never trust the process. I don't. I don't trust anybody in Chicago. They're awful. Uh, so, yeah, the Jaguars will not trade Gardner Minshew. The Bears will continue to be a black hole of sadness. And, uh, guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I will see you very soon. I got a special episode I've been working on. Uh, picking up some stuff for that episode today. I kind of, I either I'm going to put it out tomorrow or wait till after April Fool's because what I don't want to do is put out a very serious, exciting episode on a day where everybody thinks it's a joke. That would suck horribly. So, um, yeah, love you, appreciate you. But um, bum, bam, we are done.